0: What's up? Welcome to the Confluence DC podcast. This podcast is meant to give you a personal glimpse into the next era of investors and operators. This week, we out on Kenny Rose with Franchiseurs. Franchiseurs makes it possible for anybody to build up passive income through franchise investing. Their team is planning up to open up access to the product soon. You can sign up for the wait list for free using the link attached in the description. In this talk, we cover the appeal of cash flow compared to speculative bets, creating hype before a product launch, and unromantic parts of startup life.
2: everybody welcome to the confluence VC podcast today we have with us kenny from Shares, pioneer in small business investing and we're not talking pre seed so kenny want to tell us a bit about Shares, how we can start investing in franchises through a very easy means and more importantly before all that tell us about you and why you're one of the dopest people that exist oh man i appreciate that you haven't gotten the full story yet
1: it's great to be i appreciate you guys having me on kenny rose founder and ceo of franchairs i actually got my start off in the finance world ty we were talking before about we both lived in san francisco at a point i was actually a financial advisor at merrill lynch up there and it was my big taste of i get in the boiler room and dialing for dollars behind the big glass wall there but you know this is also when greece's economy started going down the drain and you know, the economist in me is like, hey, that shouldn't really affect our stock market much, hasn't before. But then all the headlines started sending everyone's portfolios into a spiral, and it just drove me insane. And I was like, you know what? I want to see what else is out there. I also saw online brokerages coming up. I was, I was like, this isn't the long term for me. So I started talking to some family friends, looking at other you know, ventures in life. And one of them was the CEO of a company that coaches CEOs. So like, no brainer for me to talk to. And I was kind of taken away. He's like, what do you know about franchising? Like franchising? Like McDonald's, Subway, Taco Bell. And he's like, well, yeah, those are some. But like, did you know my company's a franchise? So there's a franchise for coaching CEOs. He says, there's franchises for everything. And I'm like, okay, well, that's a big industry to not know that much about. So all right, let me
2: hop in and check it out. So he introduced me to a group of franchise brokers. Have you guys ever
1: heard of a franchise broker before?
2: Dude, I get asked for them on YouTube all the time because I'm always oh, really up, like, informational and get rich. And, like, all right. So you've heard of them a little bit. Perfect. So they try to charge you so much on YouTube. You know, the real ones. Because the real ones don't cost anything. So how it
1: works is that, you know, most companies or sorry, most people don't wake up in the morning and say, Hey, I'd love to go buy a franchise. Let's get after it. And even if you did, there's over 4,000 different franchises out there. They go hundred plus different industries. And so, to find the right one, those companies are spending tens and tens of thousands of dollars to find a franchisee. And so, as a broker, you actually work with them, and the client's looking for the right franchise to invest in. You educate them on franchising, you get an idea of what their budget, their skill set, their goals are, recommend specific fits for them, and coach them through the research process. And at the end it's free for the client because the franchise is paying you for it because they want to save the time and money that is finding a franchisee. So literally you could skip talking to me, go straight to Supercuts. It would be the exact same investment. And so that's what I did for five plus years. And I worked with the world's largest broker, to start off doing business development for morning, the ins and outs. And then eventually I took over LA County for him. And then while I'm doing this, I, every convention I'm going to, there's like seminars, are coming up on like stuff I pretty much came up with. They uh, stole emails from mine, threw them in the corporate training manual. And I'm a co-author on an Amazon bestseller. I don't get royalties for So I got to this point of, I might be helping you more than you're helping me. And it's going to go to the larger company. Like I'm going to go start my own business. And so I moved out to Chicago, started my own brokerage called Sempia. And I had a big focus on what I was hearing more from clients. And they say, Hey, you know, I don't really want to leave the corporate world and be an owner-operator. I want a side business. I want to have an investment there that's passive, you know, semi-passive cash flow on the side. So if you think of like Supercuts as the example, you walk in, the owner's not there cutting hair. They have a manager in place. And as an owner, they're managing the manager. So I really focused on this side of it. You know, it kind of mixed my background in finance and my background in franchising. And I also wanted to make sure people got education on franchising because most people don't know anything about franchising. They know basics of the business model and that it's generally fast food. And so I started off writing on Quora, the question and answer site. And one of my answers, I I got millions of views on it, but one of my biggest ones was on how much a Chick-fil-A costs. And that one got sent out to 40 million people. uh, If you read The Hustle at all, they did a Sunday story uh, and I was like the main source for it. And then I just started reaching out to other journalists, talking within the network, got featured in Forbes, abc, and in February this year, I had a whole Business Insider article on me and the work in the industry. But wow. you know, throughout throughout my time doing all this, I kept getting a lot of the same questions, like, hey, you know, I love the idea of owning a franchise, but I don't have six or seven figures of cash, or I'm not leaving my day job. I don't have spare time on the side or, Does my skill set actually transfer over to it? You know, you could be a great IT manager, but then when it comes to managing hairstylists, you're in a totally different ballgame. And so the idea really kept brewing of like, hey, people should be able to like passively invest in franchise ownership that's managed for them and grouped together with other investors. And so I'd been sitting on this idea for a while and then the pandemic hit. And uh, I was sitting in quarantine and I read an article that people were gambling on the stock market because sports were not. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm late. I need to get this going yesterday. And so had a bunch of friends in the startup world, got connected with the lawyers and everything. And then we put Franchairs together. And when I, it was funny, actually, when I was funding. you got to give us an elevator pitch on FranShares. Oh, the elevator pitch, sure. So FranShares is an alternative investment that lets you invest in fractions of a franchise portfolio that's diversified across multiple locations, different geographies, and different industries. You can invest for as little as $500 and you earn equity in the growth of the franchise value as well as passive cash flow from the income that those franchises produce. How'd I do? I'm working on it.
2: <laughs> oh, I
1: love it. Love it. He's too good to me. <laughs> um, Beautiful. Beautiful. Yes. I went and started uh, talking to VCs about this, and it was funny. I must have reached out to 300-plus VCs. I may have gotten two or three calls. And, um, you know, I was just like, all right, well, let's have these calls. And they were just like, hey, great idea, but it's early. And I'd keep hearing that. And, you know, I wanted to prove them wrong because I knew this would work. And so I started reaching out to angel investors. Uh, actually, as soon as I decided to start reaching out to them, three weeks I raised a little under 600000 And I was like, great. Now I need to go find a venture group. I I need some uh, more prestige and credibility behind it. And so I started networking more with uh, VCs again. And it's amazing how much they answer your calls for when you say I've already raised half a million. And then eventually through networking, I eventually got introduced to Chicago Ventures. And Chicago Ventures was just coming off one unicorn after the other. M1 Finance, Cameo, Project 44. I think they had like six or seven this year. And talking with a bunch of VCs, I got a lot of the same comments before. It was like, this is a good idea. You're definitely the guy to do this. But I don't know anything about franchising. And I'm just like, ah, I can't really fault you for it, you know? And then I come to Chicago Ventures and Stuart Larkin's, one of the founders of the fund. I find out after several calls with other people on the team, my first time about to meet Stuart, I hear two seconds before he on the call. So I just found out Stewart's actually invested in franchising before. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, how have you never mentioned this? We hop on the call. I just like kind of bull my way through. I'm like, Stewart, tell me about your investment experience in franchising. And he's like, oh, I rolled up 500 KFCs to be the largest franchisee in their system and then sold it to private equity.
2: And I'm just like, oh, (laughs) yeah, only. (laughs) That sounds like peasant activities to me
1: us in the future don't get me wrong i'll say so remember when you talk about 500 <laughs> that cute little thing but um it's at least six digits <laughs> come on yeah so I, I i write that i'm just like oh so you get this he's like yeah i get it right then i'm like oh we're done here like this is great <laughs> and then we finished out the round and this whole year leading up to we're launching next month but you know we just started doing paid ads literally thursday last week and um uh, all this. So this is a live update. Like you've probably seen it flipping behind me. Whenever someone signs up, it live goes on there. Uh, I got this little, uh, in-person counter for you. I like taking the offline with the online together. And, um, but so really just through word of mouth, like I emailed a bunch of people that I was close with. And then I started posting on LinkedIn posted in two Facebook groups. And now we're just shy of 3,500 on the wait list. And, uh, it's great, man. I mean, also the support we've been getting has just been incredible. And,
2: uh, Super happy with where we are so far, and just getting warmed up. We love this. It's <laughs> so so. Break down to us really quickly. Uh, like, what do I need to do to get ownership in a franchise on your platform? Like, so do the, I? Yeah.
1: The, the great thing right now, it's as simple as go to franchise.com and hop on the wait list. And um, you know, we've got thirty five hundred on it. It really depends on how high the average investment level is because. When you sign up, it's been great because there's like a, a survey that pops up now of like, hey, where do you live? And a bunch of like demographic stuff, including like, hey, if you're thinking about investing in this, like how much would you want to invest? And it's great because this, since this hasn't existed, we've, get, we've gotten everything from your 18 to 24-year-olds that want to do 500 bucks to a couple grand, all the way to your 55 plus that want to do 100,000, 200,000, gotten a bunch of five hundred thousands, And uh, we're also talking with a bunch of family offices about uh, getting in the first fund too. So it could be 1,000 investors. It could be 3,000 investors. It could be 500 investors. That's kind of the uh, beauty when we go to launch time. So good to get on it now before we really start investing in the uh, marketing and you know also launch it.
0: <laughs> Everybody has yeah. to sign up with my referral link, though. I'm going to link yes. that everywhere. So, Clay, I gave you like... Um,
1: I moved you up the wait list. I gave you like credit for like fifty on there from your e blast out. And thank you so much for that. But uh, you gotta use a referral because we're gonna give uh, everyone like fifty bucks for every referral that ends up investing with us. We actually haven't let's even go. announced uh, that to our uh, we haven't announced that to our uh,
0: wait list yet. We're shooting that out like next week, so you uh, we got a little early insight here. Well, let's go. I'm gonna shoot that over to you right after this, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah. So wait, did, I, I'm not
2: gonna lie. When you said that the t- the counter just went up, that was me. So <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right,
0: I was looking at that in the background, and I saw a golf. I was like, "Oh, I wonder what that's for." It's funny. Yeah. It's a it's little hidden elf in the room. You're like, "What? What is that?" And uh, my
1: favorite is we're going to be doing another raise for the company itself uh, after the first fund. And so, like, whenever I'm talking to VCs, I, I just don't even mention it, and then uh, it starts flipping in the background.
2: I'm eventually, like, well, "What is that?" "Oh, that's our waitlist." <laughs> yeah, Dude, I'm. I'm looking at the, re- the annual returns on here and it's pretty crazy 26 to 33 percent 42.7 to 98 percent 50 to 150 uh, percent breakdown for us in our community who are typically investing in illiquid highly speculative high return upside potential companies what the, the reason they should or what is the reason they should be jumping onto this versus what they do today well, diversification, that's that's the main one. I
1: mean, as a former advisor, I got to say, you're always supposed to be diversified between your regular, your alternatives, cash producing, dividend paying, a little bit of everything. And these days, like everyone who wants a balanced portfolio that does have cash production, uh, you know, there's only so many options to get that cash production these days. Like there's dividend paying stocks, which can be inconsistent. Um, And then the other main one's real estate, which with real estate, I mean, look at the last year or two, especially the prices have gone through the roof. You list a house, people come at you 10% over all cash offers. And uh, now you've got institutional money coming in. You've got international money coming in. I read somewhere that one in seven homes, single family homes is owned by institutional capital now. So when you're trying to invest in cash producing real estate, the prices are going up, which means your returns are going down. And franchising is this great avenue where we're building the assets because they're locations of new businesses, but have the predictability that we can see the track record of what the other locations have done. And they are higher production because they're cash producing businesses that are in these very different areas. So, you know, most people uh, think about like fast food when it comes to franchising. That's why you'll see like all those different ones you're looking at, only one of them was in food and that's not a fast food one. Um, fast foods are really, it's not a great area to invest in to be honest. It's what franchising is known for because food is the most competitive industry known to man. And, but they have the highest startup costs. I call it the war for pennies, the thinnest margins, highest number of employees, highest employee turnover. It's a nightmare. I don't want to deal with that. So instead we look at things that are predominantly service businesses. So things like hair care, automotive fitness, we've got waste management in the first fund. And so these are things that don't have inventory, have very few employees. A lot of them don't have a storefront, and so, like, this might not be what people think of like, oh, that's not what franchising is, but they're franchise businesses that make healthier margins. And so, this is what I've helped people on years is that, like, hey, these are the smart businesses to invest in. And you know, we were talking before about how, um, I said I was told that they franchise everything, I've seen absolutely everything like, there's the traditional hair care, automotive fitness, even fitness, there's 20 different subsections of boutique fitness now. I've done clothing recycling. Uh-huh custom tailored suit franchises there's even sex shop franchises adam and eve franchises <laughs> yo i those all the time and i wow okay. yeah i i had i had a client come and they say hey i want something that's got a lot of e-commerce aspect to it and i'm like you know honestly there's some but like i got a really good one but i don't think you're gonna like what it is it's like i don't care the industry it could be any industry i'm like i'm really gonna push you on that are you sure He's like, yeah but i sent him in an email like my whole like outline of why i like it and everything and i'm just like man I'm probably going to piss this guy off, but hit send. And he comes back. I love it. <laughs> and, we
2: got um, we to we dive into the numbers here a little bit, right? Because like the, the the whole piece of I don't care is basically saying I need my money. You know, like I want yeah. a mere asset to this type of thing. So mm-hmm. like from a principal investment perspective, right? Like I'm not going to say how much Clay and I invested in the confluence versus how much we make from it you can have pretty good returns, right? Yeah, yeah. What are like the average principal payback periods for some of these types of companies when you're consulting? What are the returns? What are the cash flows that come out of them annually or monthly or like how just generally how yeah, does it
1: work? Yeah, so Tyler, I have to choose my words careful here because we are regulated by the federal or by the SEC because we're registering as a fund. Uh, okay. okay. So, so, you know, I can only say so much, but- Okay, fair, up, fair. Just, but yeah, that's when
2: got... can explain that fund versus individual.
1: Yeah, so that's part of why we're doing the Regulation A-plus process uh, for raising is that we can work with accredited and non-accredited investors. But what's great about franchising is that franchising itself is regulated by the Federal Trade Commission as a means of consumer protection. And so part of that means we get a lot of transparency in franchising. And, um, you know, when you hear about people who make a bad investment in franchising, a lot of times they don't read through this whole document. But so what's included in it, it's everything from who the management team is, what their background is, what the franchise's background is. Has anyone on the team or the company had bankruptcies? Is there any legal action against the franchise? And then the parts that you only care about and most people want to care about is how much does it cost and what can I make? And so included with all these is that you get a line item of every cost to start up the franchise from signing the agreement to opening the doors and your working capital afterwards. And it also comes in the form of a range because, uh, Tower, you're in New York. It's going to cost a lot more to open something there than in North Dakota. And so just saying, like, here's what it costs would be misleading. So that's why they have to put it in a range. But then on top of that, there's another section that is their financial performance representation or their earnings claim. And so not every franchise has one, but I only work with ones that do. And so it's like, what information can you give? me? And this comes in, you know, some of them do like, here's our average revenue. Here's our top third revenue. Here's our average number of members. If you're like a gym, or here's what our average net profit is. And so, especially for this first fund, I only wanted to work with ones that have net profits involved. And so our, um, yeah, because again, people want to know, and I can't like, just make up numbers for you i want stuff that is transparent and you know what you're getting yourself into because it's a brand new asset class and people tend to hop in without looking through the numbers you know this is why you know, did you hear about uh, the squid game
2: crypto coin i saw memes about it but i didn't know it was real oh yeah like they, uh, blow
1: up within 24 hours and they stole three million dollars from people because people Only were looking 3 at yeah i think they got big, caught on the
2: first days uh ico and people running off with way more than that
1: that is a good point. I forgot about the ICOs. God, I remember someone asked me about doing ICOs back then. I'm like, I it's too soon. I don't trust it. And then people abuse the hell out of it, which is why I love the way we're doing it, is that like franchising's FTC regulated, and then we're an SEC, we're in the process of registering as an SEC registered fund. And so there is layers and layers of transparency here. And so I wanted to make sure that if you're coming with a new asset class, let people be able to look at it and make a smart long-term decision. But uh, yeah, so as far as cash flows, actually, if you look at that waste management one and the food one on the website, those are the first two that we're including in fund one. And uh, food, it's a company called Teriyaki Madness. And the guy who started it, Michael Hayth, he is a maven in the franchise world. He started Doc Popcorn, which grew to like 300 locations, got acquired by Dippin' Dots, Then he started Maui Waui Sandwiches, huge on the West Coast and the Southwest. They got bought by a private equity company. And then he came on to uh, be the CEO for Teriyaki Madness. And just such a great food franchise because when you get
2: the Asian food market, like who comes to mind? That was a question for you. (laughs) I don't know who is a franchise versus who
1: isn't. Okay, well, Panda Express is like the main one that comes to mind, and Pickup Sticks, like those are the two big Asian food, either fast or quick.
2: I was thinking Panda Express. I didn't know whether or not they were franchised.
1: Yeah, and so it's it's funny because those are the only two that you think of versus how many burger places are there, how many chicken places are there. And Asian Mm. foods is such a massive market. And also, no one is ever going to accuse those two of being healthy versus uh, Teriyaki (laughs) Madness does quick, fast Teriyaki bowls. It's a much healthier alternative for the Asian food market and they, and they are just, they're doing incredible numbers, which is obviously what anyone cares about. But I look at like the management team, the process, the structure, their marketing, all these things. And then the other one is in waste management and it's just a brilliant business. I'm uh, hoping I'm not giving away too much and there's still availability for, for the fun. But again, I like to show people the breadth of the franchise world and how you can make money in very odd places that aren't sexy, but they're cash producing. And if you think about any apartment building, any commercial building, manufacturing, construction, everyone's got dumpsters out back. It costs a ton of money to haul those dumpsters off to the dump every time. This company is called Smash My Trash. They literally drive this giant rig up, mash everything down so that the business owners can keep filling it back up. It saves you 20% on your haul-off expenses, and they literally do everything for you. you don't even, You don't even have to talk to the guys. And they make money hand over fist. It's amazing. Average location costs three hundred fifty to four hundred thousand, and average location nets like six hundred thousand. This company's five years old. What?
2: Yeah. Dude, what's cool about this is these are
1: effectively
2: like early stage startups. Yeah, kind of.
1: At the same time, but they're not less too. Like,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like they're profitable. It seems like people should you actually what you should do at some point is like start finding the ones that actually have potential to scale based on TAM. Oh. Investing early at very low multiples and then getting VCs to dump money in. Like you should just do a partnership with Compos. We'll go help them raise money. Tyler, come on. Don't pretend I'm not thinking
1: of
0: this.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Clay, you want to be LPs in this fund? You want to do a uh, syndicate to, to like invest in this company?
0: Dude, I just told you, like absolutely Kenny. I'm like emptying my <laughs> brokerage account in the
2: shares
1: I I love this man. Also, awesome. the support's been so this has been like, it's been my baby. Like I came up with the idea six years ago. I heard a uh, fundrise do a series A and I'm like, I'm gonna do that for franchising. But you know, I was much younger man and I wanted to build up myself as a business owner. That's why I started the other brokerage first instead of raising money for this. Mm. Patience. And well, the market dude, really matured for alternative investments. Like, this is the perfect time to be launching. Well, a year ago was perfect.
2: This is the next best. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, another thing is you could have a completely separate business line at some point where you start these for people on top of a marketplace.
1: Oh, we're um, going de- to have debt offerings too? Like, mm-hmm. a good way to think about this is like, actually, well, I- I'm going to ask you, dude. <laughs> hey man, we got another round coming in the next few months after we late Q1, early Q2. Are you're gonna raise as a fund or as a startup? <laughs> as a startup. So we already did our first company raise, and then we're doing our first uh portfolio raise in January or February, and then uh another company raise afterwards. You know, especially look at what happened with Masterworks, like they just became a billion-dollar company. And frankly, I think they, uh, they're a great company. I just think we have a superior offering, but also it's we're not competitors, we're uh, complementaries, you know, like, no one's, no, like, everyone who's ever studied finance will tell you, like, you should have 20% of your portfolio in alternatives as a mean to diversify and have that upside, and I'm not going to pretend we're going to get all 20%, like, I'm partners with Fundrise, and Masterworks, and Rally, and Here and Vince, like, these are the guys that are, you know, really bring
2: that 20% to the masses. We got to introduce you to our buddy from MicroAcquire, either you all can partner, or you can kill each other or something but like oh man i'm here to make friends until someone tries ripping up a yeah. business model that's a little bit i mean dude no <laughs> totally different, right like they're like any startup whether it be SaaS or a coffee shop they're just letting oh I, I know Microacquire. i love those guys i've just never met them oh yeah they were on a podcast too so really you on- be friends. yeah part yeah, of the once the- on- crew
1: I've got a, I started a round table monthly of fractional CEOs. So sorry, fractional investment CEOs. So if you're running a company, that's like this new wave of fractional investments. Like we meet once a month, we share best practices and ideas and stuff. I don't pretend to know everything, but I surround myself with people who do.
2: <laughs> Yo, that's super, super dope. Okay. So to be clear, in, if, in joining the platform, because I'm sure a ton of people on our platform are going to join you all. Love it. We're investing in, a, in your fund not like individual businesses. Yep. In the fund down the road, we'll have individual ones, but like
1: for a first investment in franchising, I think everyone should be diversified. Like you're already getting into a new asset class to be able to diversify. And that makes sense. It's like if you were to pop into investing in stocks for the first time, you wouldn't be like, Oh, I'll take that stock and that stock. Really the best move is get an ETF, see how it works, get some exposure to the broader market. And so we're doing the same thing to start off. But really in the long run, what we're going to do a lot of is more geographic-based funds. And so like, you know, you're in New York, like where you get your hair cut, where you go work out, where you get your oil changed, those are things you should own. And, uh, you know, you also as an investor, you're going to be a customer. You're
2: going to be an evangelist. And, you know, it's like the circular economy. It's getting Yo, this really About Kenny, <laughs> he's just trying to become the Kathy Wood of franchising. That's, <laughs> what, that's what you're trying to do. If you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah he runs like arc invest it's this person who ran up like a huge investment fund that all people on the internet are obsessed with that's all right people can be obsessed now. i won't be that friend <laughs> and that's my point that's exactly the point <laughs> um, clay, you? But, uh, clay is a fan of, of kathy i think he was at least yeah, he's been quiet <laughs> yeah clay is, clay is managing his crypto portfolio in the background <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, I'm funny. scared to jump in and out just because I think my audio is choppy. Well, okay. Tell us. You kind of went down the regular regulatory path, but uh, things are going live soon. What day? Um, uh, you have one. and We then, don't have a specific... Oh, sorry? I was going to say, what did it take to get to this point? Yeah. We're waiting on our final SEC approval,
1: so we have to submit another document or two, and then it's 30 days from there, so it should be late January. Ideally, also nothing ever goes according to plan, but we didn't have to push back as long as I predicted a year ago. And as far as like what we had to do to get here, man, I've never talked to so many lawyers in my life. <laughs> I, I was very fortunate though, because when I first got Franchair started, I talked to uh, my, my good friend, Cody Barbo. He's the CEO of uh, Trusted Will, which is like TurboTax for trusts and wills. And uh, he introduced me to the guys over at DLA Piper, which is you know, one of the bigger law firms in the country. And basically, I pitched him on this idea. I didn't have a company formed yet. And they deferred all my legal fees. Oh, yeah, we know you'll get funded. Pay us back. And uh, so got funded, paid them back. And then um, right after, he gets poached to start the new Cooley office in Chicago. Whoa. uh, Yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, yeah, take me with you. And uh, then basically, Cooley came in and poached all like the top attorneys in Chicago, including Christina Rupas, who's like, One of the top, if not the top securities attorney in the country. Like they nabbed her from one of the top firms here. And so um, we basically put together a dream team of creating this regulation A plus for it, which is again, like it's like a mini IPO, but let's anyone that's whether they're accredited or unaccredited investors get into the fund. And to me, it's important to get a mix of the two. So I got a lot of questions of like, why not just do institutional only, or why not accredited investors only to start? But it's really the combination that makes this more successful. You've got your big check writers and honestly, your big check writers don't talk as much about what they're investing in versus your small check writers. A, it's access to more investments they didn't have before, but it's also investing in their local community. Plus it's more built-in customers and evangelists for everything in the fund. And so I think it's that combination of everyone that makes this work. Plus if you're creating a new asset class, make it available to everyone it's, it's going to make the, everyone happy in general. Like you make more profitable
2: locations available to more people. Mm. Dude, I think that's brilliant. I think you should attack everyone. Why would you make your TAM smaller? And you can just like tailor the offerings and with this legal squad, you can just chop it up how you need to. That's dope. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I want to position you to be able to get a lob into your next round. Assuming me and Clay don't take the whole thing. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Um are there any types of investors in the world that you would love to meet? Or like you can even name drop. And oh, we okay. might just be able to make that
1: happen very quickly. Um, oh man, that's interesting. The investors I've spoken with who I get along the best are the ones who get what I'm doing and they're like, hey, go build. I'm not a good micromanaged person. I've tried corporate before and it did not work well because I'm not a good at being micromanaged, but like ones who are like, go, you know, go change finance go build what you want to. And we understand what you're doing. Like we understand that finance is changing. We, things are getting fractionalized and we want you to dominate this market. As far as specific investors, you know, honestly, no one particularly comes to mind, especially because everyone I meet, like they're companies and people I never would have thought about that. I'm so happy I did like Chicago Ventures is just the best VC I could have imagined working with to start. And they weren't originally on my radar at first, not going to lie. And so like I like to see what, you know, life throws people and places at you. And so I'm excited to meet them all. All
2: right. So everybody, everybody, uh, you (laughs) want to like drop your Instagram or like your email, everybody spam him if you're interested, kidding. (laughs) It's at Kenny Rose 28. If you want to find me on the gram. (laughs) Cool. Cool. What's something about startups that sucks that nobody talks about? I, I I've one that it's different for everyone,
1: but for me, like I'm a solo founder, and uh, man, it can be lonely as a solo founder. I started my first business as a solo. So founder. So lonely too. on
2: the cap table when you own so much of it.
1: Yeah, uh. that's true. No, no one's, no one's. I'm not crying myself to sleep at night. I'll tell you that, but um, yeah, like when I start, <laughs> when I started my first company, I was working out of a um, a co working space, and I met two other friends who were starting their businesses at the same time. And we've all grown those businesses together. Well, now I'm, I'm sunsetting my old business because of Shares. Like we all started off like first come, first served desks and then a dedicated desk and then an office. And so like we've bubbled up together over the last like three or four years. So it's nice to find those people, but until you do, it's very lonely. And then especially with starting Shares, like I'm mostly working at home now because all day, every day, but uh, I hired my first employee a month and a half ago and God bless him, he's the best. But until then I was burning at both ends while someone was holding a lighter to the middle and uh, you just don't get to talk to
2: a lot of people it's unfortunate but not it's not for everyone that is real it's not easy until it's like wow i'm getting more from this than i would have gotten from a job
1: yeah people love to say now it's like oh i'm so happy for you." you know you can do it i'm like where the hell were you the last couple of years you know like I, I built the other business up, but like people
2: don't really care until they, it's right in front of them. And then they're all congratulatory. <laughs> I just talked to a friend of mine who I met at the same stage that you're at now of his company in 2016. And he just received a hundred million dollars soft bank Woo! check and uh, hopefully going to invest in it. I'm not going to say who it is, but yeah. he made this funny point. He was like, you know, startups are great. But, and you think you don't work for anyone, but most people realize when they don't work for anyone unless they're retired. They work for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. And even then, if you got a family, it's even worse. Okay. What are things that could be helpful to you generally from anyone in our community? And also at some point, I would love to know how you all make money. I think it's like some percentage on management fee or something like that, but we cannot um, so- talk actually spoiler alert, you're wrong. And I'll get into that. Cause I've loved, I love talking Ooh. about how to make
1: money. Oh, we'll get to that in a sec, but what was the first one? Yes. Oh, the ask uh, go sign up on the wait list. That's like my number one ask also because we're big on education. If you couldn't hear me <laughs> this whole time, but like, you're going to get an ebook. We're going to start doing a lot more educational videos. So people can just understand all of this before it's offered and then refer people to it. You know, you'll get a, uh, like I said, you'll get your own referral link and uh, share it with people really like I don't I want this to be really an investment for the people, which means the people have to help out. I'd rather not spend everything on marketing and have the people should be word of mouth telling this. Like that's how we've grown the waitlist so far. And I, I want to really keep that momentum going. Oh, this um, is all, oh, that's incredible. Well, minus like maybe 20 of them. We just started doing paid ads really recently. We're only like testing phase mm-hmm. with that. But uh, yeah, I, I've done a, like I said, it's really just people sharing with each other. It's and really like awesome.
2: less than 1% of his waiting list is from paid ads. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh,
1: oh, and I think it's 15% is direct referrals. And that's people who remember to use the link. Unlike some people click. As far as the revenue model. So when I was starting this, I looked at all the other fractional companies, fractional investing companies. I said, what do people hate about them? And Let's work backwards from there. And so the two things people hate the most, can you guys guess? Like, we're looking at Fundrise or Masterworks or Rally. Like, what do you think people hate the most?
0: I was going to guess lack of distributions is one. I don't know if that's exactly the right answer. Um, that's actually and, number three. <laughs> okay. And then I think the thing that I kept hearing was just there's an adverse selection problem where you're not necessarily getting allocation of the best deals. That was
1: actually not in it either, but I really like those two also because we are solving for those two as well. But the the top two I saw were liquidity and fees and so uh, i'll start with number two liquidity right off the bat i mean legal disclaimer we cannot guarantee or offer liquidity i am doing my best though because we do have a trading platform that'll be live from day one so if you need liquidity you can list your shares on there and uh, let other buyers uh, buy them for you especially because ideally we're going to have a wait list of investors afterwards that are going to be looking to hop on whatever they can and because we're building the businesses and growing them and they produce income, they should be appreciating in value over time. But so that's how we're working on the liquidity piece. But as far as the fee structure, you know, these days you see everything from like sign up fee to assets under management fee to I hate you fee. You know, I, I was an advisor at Merrill Lynch. people number one thing they hate. Is, is that like, a real
2: oh, thing on, a, on someone's receipt or invoice? They use a different label for it, but I'm sure that's what it is. No, I think (laughs) actually just put it as a joke. But just say, I love you fee. That's the one. I love you fee. (laughs) 0.0%. No, Um, (laughs) 0.01%.
1: Oh, oh, my love's worth that much. I appreciate it. Yeah, Yeah, so I work backwards. I'm like, how do you get rid of fees here? So we make money in three different ways. The first is, like, when you look at the financing of a franchise – like I mentioned, all of the costs are outlined in their disclosures. So 80% of that cost is from signing the agreement to opening the doors. That last 20% is working capital. So instead of going to a bank and saying, hey, I'm going to put $5 million down, and I'd like a $20 million loan, they'd probably think you are crazy unless you have a whole lot of collateral. Instead, we crowdfund $80 million and then we say, hey, we'd like a working capital loan. And so we provide the working capital for the business, which is 20% of the cost. So we're buying in for 20%. It's not a carry that waters down your returns. It's us actually buying into the fund with you. And so in the long run, we make money when our investors make money. We don't take distributions ahead of them. We take them alongside with them. And then also in the longer term, ideally we're going to sell a bunch of these funds in the future. So if you've got a group of franchisees, private equity loves to snap those up. And so when we sell those, all the investors get their equal share of payout, including ourselves. And then in the short term, how we make money Like I mentioned, I come from the franchise brokerage side. And literally, if you talk to me versus going straight to the franchise, it's the same investment. So what we do is we are the broker of record as well as the franchisee. Yeah, yeah. So we are working with the franchises. We buy 25 locations of each. We get a commission from them, and it comes out of their pocket. So literally, like if everyone somehow did this on their own, it wouldn't cost any more. It's not out of our investors' pockets at all. And And so
2: that's what a normal broker would because you're doing it at volume. Yeah. Or you have other revenue means as well. Exactly. Okay. So you're, you're passing it on to the franchises you know, help the little guy. Exactly. But you're giving them savings as well. It's a win-win for everyone. Well, yeah, plus it. like,
1: plus we're like a dream franchisee form because like we're gonna follow their systems. One of the main reasons franchisees fail is they don't follow the processes and the systems in place. They know better or they want to cut corners on what they spend on. We're the opposite right now. I want to follow your thing to the fucking
2: dot because I know that this is how it works. And um, also- you all, all launched the franchise too. You don't just invest, you might launch one too. Yeah. Like, so we're, you're, you're effectively creating a syndicate to launch a, a new franchise for these people, not investing uh, in the faster franchise hold Co. Uh Well, we are investing in existing franchise
1: brands. So like they already have a lot of traction. Like Teraki yep. Madness already has 300 plus <laughs> locations, opener development, Smash My Trash sold like 600 locations in the last two years. So these are very high growth franchises but we're just doing new locations of them in the future though we will definitely be franchising different brands and you know the big problem in franchising like i said is that most people don't wake up and say they want to be a franchisee. so we come in as solving a huge need in the industry where about i think i said 15 of the 4,000 brands out there hit 100 or more locations versus when we have a crowd of investors we could franchise a brand make a hundred location thing overnight pretty much because we've got that infrastructure and investor base and built in support from uh, those investors.
2: Then you can negotiate lower franchise fees. Yep. A l-
1: little bit of everything. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Love. It, bro. Okay. Well, Clay, come talk to us, man. Give us some quick fire questions after answering Kenny's question that he gives to us free of charge. Oh snap! Free of charge. Well, you know
1: what? I've actually, when you sign up for the waitlist, I've been uh, doing user interviews. So I'm trying to figure out like what people don't like about this. What do you guys think is the number one most attractive thing to investors for something like this?
0: I think an investment strategy for one, getting access to cash flow generating assets kind of plays into the first one alternative investments in general is really interesting to me like i think there's this overall trend that everybody's becoming an investor it doesn't matter what stage of life you're at how much income you have everybody is starting to put that money to work into different
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and it doesn't necessarily have to be the stock market anymore so i think as more people pull money out outside of the stock market or just start thinking of like different ways i think this is positioned to win because the historical performance of it along with your model, I think puts it in a spot where it's like very beneficial for the people that sign up for it. And it's just kind of a game for you. Awesome. Appreciate aware of it. Yeah. Appreciate that.
2: Yeah. I'm thinking of cash flows. I want that monthly income. And there if, go. I, if I That's why I asked the principal relative to payback period to know when I'm in the green and that's just making me some money. I like the fact that there's equity accrual here. hmm I would love it one day. Like I could actually just buy franchises in a really simple way. Cause when I look at websites, it's like, you need to have this thing fill out these 70 forms. If I could have one like common app for all franchises and you all like maybe pay me for the extra four questions and I can do it through y'all. That's great. And then I guess some form of like standardized reporting to understand it in like portfolio management, which is literally what you do for us. So all in all, you just make, my portfolio diversification in that space easy and give me better returns than going to buy apartments. Love that. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly,
1: I, I love talking to everyone who's like thinking about investing. Like I, think I, ha- I think I had 20 of those interviews scheduled this week and you get such great feedback from people of like things you didn't think of. Like I used the term circular economy. I got that from a user interview and I was just like, man, what a great statement.
2: I love it. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I guess one thing that I will focus on is speed speed to having me like in market
1: yeah yeah soon we'll get you
0: there soon (laughs) (laughs) yes like
2: can you give me me how
0: um (laughs) how do how do i see where be able to see that i can't anymore sorry you you cut out there what'd you say my bad i was asking where i can see where i rank on the wait list i was trying to find it on the website and i can't anymore (laughs) You know, we
1: just uh, relaunched an update to the website yesterday, and so we're fixing that right now. We were on a <laughs> webinar yesterday with Rocket Dollar, and so we wanted to have that all set up before we went on there. And um, we just, uh, yeah, we need to update that part. You'll get it. You'll get it soon, though.
0: I, cool. Yeah, because when this I, goes I, out, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to be like top five once this oh, goes out, because I'm just gonna blast it everywhere. So I
1: already gave you credit for everything that you uh, did before. You're number two on the list right now. Um, oh let's go
2: all right yeah what yeah. Yo, do i get to, can i just mirror can i just mirror him oh man you like, gotta start have a point waitlist I, I mean you you can have a duel with them and uh start sharing your uh, referral link <laughs> yeah can we make one for comp well i mean clay found this so it's super fair that he just takes the like the the, the, the points <laughs> <off>. well like, <laughs> i need to get i just want to be ahead on the waitlist clay can take all the money i just oh. want
1: Uh, honestly if you refer like
0: four people you're going to be in the top 100 i think so you'll be good (laughs) i'm going to shoot you my link right after this tyler and then you got to just start shooting it out to everybody in your network
2: i gotta re i gotta re-hop on the wait list then i want to be even further behind my other account it's kind (laughs) of
1: i you know if it helps i can i can delete your uh, spot in the wait list so you can sign up through his give the one and then you get okay (laughs) everybody wins Oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch my. I'm counter. I'm gonna go, go
2: spam down. all of our group chats before Clay does. I
1: hope I hope you're happy.
2: <laughs> I get to watch my counter go down, and that's like the last thing I ever wanted. <laughs> this, this is technically your first turn of first turn moment. How's oh, it feel? Don't, don't say that, sad. Wait, this turn. <laughs> oh fact, no! If he ever tells you he has zero percent turn, he is lying. Wait, hold on
1: let's see Did i get a uh where's the horn that's like the bad moment coming
2: through oh no oh, oh that, that hurt that hurt that's sad <laughs> sorry you're, you're gonna avenge me and make me am a i going to get a set. email that says you've been removed from the waiting list f off oh i don't think so but i kind of want to put that yeah <laughs> you're a bad person you're no longer on the wait list wow yeah actually i should do that <laughs> All right, Clay. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kenny, you want to go through quick fire real quick? All right, shoot. So got four questions here. meant to be answered in two sentences or less. First one is what's a recommendation you hear regular? Do what you love
1: and make a business out of it. I love doing business, but I was never passionate about franchising specifically growing up. You know, I, I lived five years in a town that didn't have any franchises. So when I hear people saying, like, oh, I'm going to be an artist, to make something, I'm like, learn how to build a business first and then make that into a business if you can.
0: Yeah. Have you ever heard of the DICE framework? No. It's by a guy named Jack Butcher, who's worth following on Twitter. But he essentially says, like, early on in your career, you should just say yes to everything and just collect a bunch of dots. And then after you get a better understanding of what you're good at for those dots, you got to start connecting them and then build skills or a product around that. I love that. I'm definitely a, a yes man for opportunity. Like do you
1: know anything about franchising? I was like, there's opportunity in there. I want to go learn about it. And then I learned to fall in love with it. So, uh, but yeah, I, I love skiing and doing art and stuff. But like, I'm not building a business around that. I think yeah. a lot of people just kind of chase, hoping it'll turn into a business somehow. It's like, you gotta mean, to it. build one first. Great <laughs> example
0: of you being a yes man is just saying yes to come on this podcast with no context <laughs> on us, just through a, a cold LinkedIn email. Uh, honestly, I was happy you reached
1: out because like it was on a Sunday you sent that out. And like, you know, I'm sitting here watching football, and I just hear this
2: thing flipping and flipping and flipping. I'm like, "What just <laughs> happened?" I'm like,
1: "A bomb went off. What is going on here?"
2: <laughs> annoying once you hit hyperscale.
1: <laughs> you know what? There's worse things to be annoyed about. I just—it's going to be great.
2: Trying <laughs> to get better in your house. Yeah, it's like, damn. Why did I get them this grand piano? Or even worse, the drone.
0: Let's see next one. In the last year, what new belief, behavior, habit has most improved your life? That's a great question. I would have to
1: say talking to, oh man, I thought I had an answer for this. I don't know anymore. I've had so many changes in habits. <laughs> Honestly, eating healthier, I think is definitely a good one. Like I lost 20 pounds in like two months by just changing up my diet. Like I don't buy bread or cheese anymore. And even though I love them, it's good to eat when you go out, but it's like when you have that crap in your house, it's just so easy to go to it. So eating healthier, you feel better and
0: you look better. Love that. I think that's uh, we the same answer like two weeks ago. So, yeah, we got more people eating better. That's good. <laughs> it's because um, we were stuck inside for so long. <laughs> I know. I know. You had like no other choice. Let's see. Next one. What's one piece of advice you'd give somebody that's starting a company? Find
1: yourself a realist. And I don't mean a pessimistic person. Someone who's going to tell you the truth. I'm usually this for a lot of people. I say I give realistic insights to those But a lot of people just want to be your cheerleader and say, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Great. Go, go, go. But somebody say like, that's a dumb idea. That's not going to work. You can disagree with them, but you need someone in that other corner that's giving you pushback on everything and not because they hate life, but because they are uh, actually like pushing you to think out differently about it.
0: Yeah, that is good advice. I don't think I've heard of that, but I mean, it's super applicable. I mean- Especially once you get funding. It seems like everybody, your advisors, cap table, everybody's telling you like what's going right. Or like, yeah. I think the yeah. advice that's more actionable is usually what's not. And then you can build solutions around that. So I think
1: that's yeah. good advice. Even before then, when you're just starting the business, I've had people come with business ideas and I'm like, ah, it's not gonna work. Like, that's why I called you, give me realistic advice. And <laughs> it's to tell you that's just a bad idea sometimes. Like you again, yeah. they could be wrong, but you need someone to push back on
0: it. Yeah. I mean, you're saving them a ton of time, heartbreak, and money if you're going to just tell them before they sink time into it. Um, it's like, yeah, this isn't going to work. This is why. So doing them a favor. And last one we have, we've kind of already alluded to this, but if you had one ask for our listeners, what would it be? Well, I already asked them to hop on the wait list. So uh, go find these guys some more subscribers to the
1: podcast. Oh. Yeah, we're gonna we're going to ask you to help with that too. Uh, deal. I'll, I'll share this out for sure. Let's go. Give it a little blast, e blast for everyone. Share it on
0: social, all that jazz. Yeah, you- we'll blow it up. We'll tag you guys.
2: A big, a big thing for us right now is diving further into the founder side of things. So we've done the quote-unquote hard part, which is get a ton of VCs who get spammed all day to like stuff. <laughs> uh, and like hang out with us. Now it's like the even harder part of getting great founders. We want to have the people with the most interesting companies with the best personalities who are going to be raising in the next year or could benefit from knowing our community. And uh, if you have any people fit in that bucket, we're making a we're making a pipeline of great people for the next year. Yeah, your most badass founder friend. I got I got a couple of them. You can maybe get some Chicago Ventures on the podcast, too. Oh, they'd love to do that. Yeah. I can get you from Chicago
1: Ventures. I, again, I have a round table of fractional CEOs, so they'll be down. They'd love to. I've got a buddy who just started a company that's, he's a very energetic fund founder. And he just started one that's doing a senior care housing uh, marketplace. So you can buy and sell and also get services for him. So that's another like untapped asset class. And it's a very uh, you know, two-way market where they need uh, privacy on everything. Because if everyone knows you're selling it, it's like ghost hell. I didn't know anything about that market. He found himself in it, and I me mean, kind of like carved a deep niche in it. Dude, let's go get some yeah. ethical senior home franchises. I know they <laughs> exist. So actually, they do. Uh, oh, man. Senior care anything one of the big, fastest-growing areas in franchising. Senior – like in-home senior care. Just like helping them with things
2: around the house, nurses, they have them for everything. It's a very competitive industry. Man, I can't wait to get exposure through Franchair. It's fun. Coming, man.
0: <laughs> also, are you guys hiring anytime soon? Because we have a job board where we, I feel like we haven't really given a great background on like what all we do. Yeah. Um, so we run a private community of venture capital investors. Uh, we started it 18 months ago. That group has grown now to over 1,600 investors from 1,100 different funds. I have a few people from Chicago Ventures in there, like Stephen Cook, great guy. Oh, will catch up with him pretty regularly. Oh, oh, I would suggest yeah. get Stephen on there. Stephen's the best. Yeah. He's, he's the, one, a, he's he's the, the one who found me. He's the one who found me at okay. Chicago Ventures. Yeah, yeah. Good shit. I literally hit him up like the other week trying to catch up. Um, we oh, got some pencil he, for January. He's the greatest. Um, like, I sent him a bunch of
1: portfolio companies to look at. He sends right. me a bunch of founders and other people to meet. Like, yeah, yeah. great. I want to
0: hoop with him. You, he uh, you played at Princeton, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'd he whoop your ass, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, he's like a big-ass dude. He played pro. International yeah. pro.
1: I think in Greece, yeah. I want to say.
2: Yeah. yeah what? Well, yeah. I didn't realize um, oh, he's a big dude. <laughs> so we got our third play, me, you, and him, and we're running it off for the VC3 on yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, Tyler and I are both we're both six five. It's like not apparent oh, when you're behind a, wow, yeah, when yeah, you're behind the computer. I would say I'm six um,
1: two and I I for some reason thank <laughs> guys is, that's funny.
2: Yeah <laughs> oh dude come be on our um, team. <laughs> it's six foot no.
1: Oh no, I'm yeah, an yeah.
2: uncoordinated six two. Like I'm great at defense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm sh-
1: Sorry, great at defense. My shooting is garbage. If you don't mind me getting zero, <laughs> <laughs> zero points for, like 10 turnovers, we're good.
0: I mean we, we need to we you need hustle high
1: energy. Oh I got you. playups. uh uh, kind of i shouldn't do a full-on yes (laughs) that one. yeah
0: um but yeah like i so like (laughs) we have one part one part (laughs) of like what we do is the the community piece but then we're highlighting members like next era of investors and operators every week in the newsletter as well as the podcast but then we also have a job board where like we'll highlight your roles within the newsletter for 60 days um As a friend of ours, like, we'll just feature that for you for free. So whenever you have any stuff that you need help hiring on, just let us know. We'll upload that for you. Awesome. And then I guess the last piece, obviously we're interested in your business, want a piece of it. So we run a syndicate and would love to get allocation whenever it it does come time for you guys to raise. Obviously, like you have other fish to fry and you got to run a business first, but whenever it does come time for you to raise and you need capital, if you're interested, like we love to participate too. But yeah, I will for sure add you both
1: to my uh, investor update list. So you guys kind of see more like behind the scenes stuff. And uh, honestly, I love
2: working with good people. So we'd love to have you in the next round. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Well, dude, let us know. Also, this is something I've been thinking about when we do the startups. What are your thoughts on if we say like window for time or for fundraising next six months, next year? Like, would you want that information to be out there? Would you want to keep it close to chest? Oh, no, I'll throw it out there. I, I talk to five VCs a week now. They're I haven't been reaching out to anyone. They're still reaching out to me. So, like, I tell so, them all yeah, the time. I, maybe, maybe we'll put, like, your email for people to reach out or, like, the sure. window. Like, start reaching out between this time and this time. Maybe not today. Maybe Oh, no, honestly, they
1: can start reaching out whenever because I, I love talking to everyone. And, like, honestly, it's about building a relationship together, not just, like, a transactional thing. So, like, even yeah. if we're not doing it for a few months, like, I'd like to get to meet everyone now, tell them. Well, they're already going to know a whole lot about me from this, but still give them, a, you know, more of a face to the name and uh, get to know more before we get to that point.
2: Perfect, then. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, in that case, I think all is Gucci. Love it. Or Louie, because R- RIP Virgil Abloh. A Chicago <laughs> people got us, you know. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. All That's is Louie. Uh, We really appreciate you, man. Um, And I look forward to speaking with you again and getting my position on the wait list moved up. (laughs) I'll move you up. I appreciate it, man. (laughs) Great being on here, and I really appreciate the support, guys.
0: Of course. 100%. Thanks again, Kenny. Thank you, guys. Talk to you later. Later. Bye. Huge thanks again to Kenny for coming on, and we hope that each of you are able to pick up something valuable from this talk. If you're looking to get in touch with Kenny, you can follow him on LinkedIn. He doesn't have a Twitter, but you can follow his LinkedIn. That's linked in the description below. And if you also just want to sign up for franchises we've also included the sign up link in the description below. So do that and build up some passive income. For next steps, if each of you have not submitted, your info to become a member yet you can do that through our website at www.confluence.bc and also if you want to become a subscriber to the newsletter we offer a ton of free resources in there each and every week meant to help you become better at your individual roles you can subscribe there at www.confluence.substack.com hope that helps hope to hear from y'all soon